The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is... Hello, and welcome to the commentary for The Kingery, episode 28, which is also known as season 3, episode 4. On The Kingery. Uh, I am Perry Whittle, and I'm the director of this episode, and I also wrote it. And the title of this episode is Everybody Needs Money. I'll explain that in a little bit. But first, let me introduce Jeffrey Bridges, the head writer of The Kingery. Hello, Perry. How you doing? Hello, Jeffrey, and welcome. I'm scattered, as usual. Um, so one of the reasons that I named this uh, Everybody Needs Money is that uh, that's a line from a movie by David Mamet. Uh, written and directed by David Mamet. Um, what do you mean? The movie is called Heist, and the line goes, well, here, let me play a clip. This is Danny DeVito. He's eating a pretzel, and he's saying the line. Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. So part of the reason that I gave it the title was so that I could um, explain the punchline, which is, that's why they call it money. Okay, so you got it. <laughs> That's a dedication, I tell you. Yes. Yes. So that, that um, little joke has been in the works there for months and months and months. Um, also, the, also, the thing was I couldn't figure out what else to call it. I, I, was re- I left the title for last and was having problems figuring out what it should be. Yeah, you know, I find often the titles um, can be really tough sometimes, and I usually leave that till last, and I write the whole thing and see if I can, you know, find the right thing for it. But yeah, they can be tough sometimes. Right. Um, Let's see. We're listening to the previously. The music is Freak Speed by David Alexander McDonald. I really like that song. And um, let's see. I wanted to say, so scene one starts. We're on the thoroughfare. And we have Asa, played by Carl Glassmeyer. We have Devi, played by Lexi Rall. And Officer Brannis comes in at the very end, and he's played by Paul Lavelle. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do in this scene when I was writing it was I wanted to remind people that the Kingery is in bad shape. Yes, yes. And relate it very loosely to the current global economic situation. Um, But, you know, just very, very loosely. Yeah. Since the riots at Shepherd's Church, there's no tourists. And um, the outline said that Debbie is stressed out in this episode. So I added some stuff uh, that wasn't in the outline. This is one of the scenes that I added to try to make up some stuff that she might do to deal with some of the situations that she's dealing with every day. So I think you did a fine job there. It really helped, uh, you know, flesh it out a bit more. Yeah. And I chose, the, uh, this is the first script that I've written for The Kingery, and I chose this particular episode because the outline looked really short, and I thought that would be, I thought that would be easy and a nice way to, you know, sort of uh, uh, enter at the shallow end. Ah, uh, that does not, a short outline, though, does not always necessarily mean easier or shorter episode, which I'm sure you've discovered. Yes. Yes. So um, I sort of ended up making up a whole bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. making it much longer than it probably looked like it should have been from the outline. Um, but anyway, I, I just thought that that was interesting. 
Well, how did and, you find um, um, writing it? I mean, if this was your first script writing, you've been on the show, uh, you know, for over two years, three, two and a half years yeah, or so now yeah, as, as an yeah. actor. So uh, what was that like getting to write your, your first script for it? Uh, it was interesting. I kept going backwards. You know, I, I, we talked about this a teeny little bit in the in the uh, This Week in Pendant interview. Mm-hmm. I kept going backwards. Um, so, like, you know, it says Debbie's stressed out. So, I, you know, I, I backed up. And I kept trying to pull in stuff from previous episodes, and I think mm-hmm. I may have done that a little too much because um, I kept I kept going really really far. I, I, like there's three times in this episode that I go back to to episode number one or two where Debbie uh, shoots Robert. Mm-hmm. But right now I have to say. Okay, so uh, I'm going to post a recording of myself going, Fiona's take on this line is just amazing, and everybody can download that and just play it every time she speaks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, too, man, I was just so impressed. Her Sylvia is just, wow, she scares the crap out of me. Yeah, wasn't that great? And I had so much fun writing this stuff. I wrote this scene three different ways. The outline says Sylvia and Tommy argue about everything. So that was kind of, that kind of like opened a big door for me. And I wrote a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and that was a lot of fun imagining Fiona Trail as Sylvia Arkell and Pete Milan as Tommy Arkell arguing about anything and everything. Yeah. Um, I just think Fiona hits just exactly the right note between being fiercely polite and totally dismissive. And and her interpretation of you understand me is just exquisite. Yeah, she really does a fantastic job uh, marrying the two together. Yeah, and I thought it would be so funny to have a visual aid in an audio drama. So here you go, she's saying, see my hand? And... And I thought that she's trying to humiliate Tommy and goad him into action. That's what I thought her goal is in this scene, as it has been the past couple episodes, um, to irritate him. And so she insults him, and she does this, this like, um, she plays with him a little doing this childish thing, you know, see my hands, this one's this, and that one's that. And, and um, she's just trying to get him fighting mad, I think. Yeah. And I love her her, um, read on um, let you retire, right? Because retire doesn't doesn't mean a condo in Sarasota. It means being, you know, shot out the uh, airlock or something. She's she's really offering to kill him or or come close. Yeah. I thought Fiona did a superb job of being really scary. And I can hear the air quotes around that word retire. Thank you, ma'am. And an impression of competence. Hey, now. And this sequence right here, I like because I feel like I, I was, I was trying to make Tommy and Major be very protective of one another. So when when Sylvia says an impression of competence, that's an insult to Tommy, and Major starts to defend him, and then 
Tommy sees that Major is going up against Sylvia, and that's not going to end happily for, for Major. So he interrupts Major and says, what have you got there? That's what I was trying to do there, and I hope that that comes across because I think it's very sweet. Yeah, I was actually going to say, too, about the um, the money flipping noises. I didn't really know uh, how that would come across because money doesn't usually sound quite like you know regular paper, but uh, it sounded exactly like that you were flipping through counting money, so kudos to you. Yes, well, and of course, you know, those aren't uh, contemporary dollars. Those are far <laughs> future dollars. Far yes. future, <laughs> yes, federation <laughs> units or whatever the heck they are. Um, Thank you, Thomas. And, oh, and I also wanted to say I wanted to have people lying in this episode. So there's a lot of people lying and sort of lying badly. So we hear that with the. Uh, with Major saying, um, you know, this is that thing you asked me to look into. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're trying to put one past Sylvia, which of course they can't do. Exactly. Major. Um, so let's watch for other places where people are lying and lying badly, because um, I thought that was interesting. No, that was really nice. Guess I had a peg doll wrong. What are you talking about? The way she offered the family resources. I mean. You had asked me about the writing, and I thought the the writing chat I had something to say about that. Okay. You've got, in this writing chat, you've got six people with very different ideas about what it means to write, to write dramatically and write well. And I feel like it's kind of a minor miracle when two people have the same idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. That, that's, that's maybe stretching it a little bit, but I want to publicly thank Alicia Lane Matheson for helping out because she remembered what we were discussing how to redo something and she remembered why I'd done something the way I did it when I had forgotten. She kept us from making a revision that would have created problems. Ah, yes. I was very thankful when she said, hey, you can't do that because this is going to happen. And so I said, oh, yeah, that's right. She's right. Well, that's a good thing about having so many of us in the chat, and we all have different writing styles, and we have different, you know, strengths and weaknesses, and so we can complement each other and catch things that the others would miss. And so I think that's one of the things about Kingery that's really unique and helps make it such a, a great show is all of the different parts coming together like that. Right, right. And I wanted to say that I loved the performance of Well, Probably Not from Pete, Pete Milet. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's sort of calculating whether or not Sylvia will kill him or not. Yeah, I don't know if I'd take, take odds on that bet. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that he's a little unsure himself. And now this, of course, um, uh, this scene where you wrote in Bellowing Billy, which was one of my yeah. favorite uh, one-shot character additions possibly of any pendant show ever. He just cracked me up in the script. Yes. Yes. And um, that's William. He's here he, we're calling him William, and he's played by Abner Cenaries. And we've also got, also got Catherine Pride as Tithia. And Troy Daniels just walked out the door as a John. And... In the other ear, there's uh, Lexi Rawl as Debbie and me, Perry Whittle, as Hook. There was one spot and in this line, or in this scene, actually, I think it was the, the very end of this scene, where uh, Debbie mentions getting Hook's, uh, one of the girls or something, to help him relax. And you did this little, like, 
this pathetic little whine, and it just cracked me up so much. It's like, oh, that, that is exactly Hooks. You are so, you know, in tune with the character. It was just, it was absolutely perfect. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you liked that. Uh, the music in the background is called Pimp My Starship by David Alexander McDonald. And um, so you've got, back when the scene started, you had Hooks and Debbie arguing about the pills. And um, Yes, yes, actually, that's a, a thank you for, well, I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I'll say what I have to say after. <laughs> well, well, I think you can do this in recorded audio while you couldn't do it in radio. Because in radio, people have to hear it the first time. Right. And in recorded audio, people can go back and listen again and again if they care. But the stuff that Hooks and Debbie were talking about is not really critical to the plot. It's it's not. It's really a lot of rehashing of the story up to now. So this, that's another place where I went back to the very first episode. Right. So if, so if people in the audience just joined, just started listening to the show, you don't want to go back and listen to the whole last two seasons. Just rewind that and listen. Pay real close attention to what Debbie and the Hooks are yammering about over there. Right. That's that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Is how. Um, I've never actually written into an audio script something like that because I was never really sure uh, how it would work, how well it would, you know, uh, be able to be pulled off. But it, it really worked there. Like I could kind of, you could clearly hear both of their conversations just depending on which one you chose to focus on. And yet one of them was clearly in the foreground and one was in the background. And so I really, really liked how you did that. And I, I wasn't ever sure it would be possible, but you did a really good job with it. Yeah, I was pretty confident that I could do it if I mixed it myself. So I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like make that a chore for somebody else. Um, so, I, but I knew that I'd be mixing it myself, so I could write it that way. And we missed a little something back there. Tithia lied uh, to to William, to Bellowing Billy, about what Hooks and Debbie were up to. So that's another instance of somebody lying. And now we're listening to Asa lying to Officer Brannis. Yeah, so Officer, Officer Brannis is trying to follow Debbie, and he lost Debbie, and he apparently came upon Asa, and Asa claimed he would help him out. Yeah, if there's one thing Asa's really good at, it's, you know, talking until people's ears fall off, so he can keep someone occupied. Yeah, right. So let's see, what do we have? Uh, oh, I was going to say, um, poor Tithia. De Debbie and Hooks are not easy to deal with. So yeah. That's a note I had there. She's probably the most well-adjusted of, of all of them, and she's the one that's, you know, got the most reason not to be with the, you know, mixed species and all. Yeah. And now we have uh, M. Sierra Garcia as Major, and Pete Milan as Tommy Arkell, and Lexi Rawl as Debbie in this scene. And the music in the background is Goomba Dance by David Alexander McDonald, once again. I really like the um, the bit in the script here. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say that, that bit about how guys brag, and so that's why you want them as clients and not as, um, uh, you know, employees when you're running at Moonshine. I thought that was, that was a very nice uh, touch. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And... We just hear we hearing Abner Canaries <laughs> in the background. Yeah. He, <laughs> he gave me about three different great bellowing sounds, and I sliced them and diced them and mixed them and mashed them and made it into one long thingy jiggy. And um, I just remember telling him, um, 
enough already. So tell me it's got to be startling enough to kind of scare Tommy and Major. They've, they've got to really get startled. And so um, so it started out really kind of bizarre and got weirder. Yeah. I mean, that's, wow, that's, there's a role to, to be proud of, Abner. <laughs> Show your parents. <laughs> Listen to this episode. This is the one I was doing. And now um, Tommy and Major are getting real irritated with Debbie because he's under pressure from Sylvia. And so now he's making life even more difficult for Debbie. And well, right, and he's still got the whole uh, issues with okay, Debbie having sure. lied about shooting Roberts, and that caused all of the problems of pretty much the past two seasons, you know, so, right. yeah. Right. And it's possible that Tommy and Major worked out this routine before coming to the whorehouse so that, you know, Debbie would get the message. Yes, that is also possible. Uh, let, let Tommy act as a voice of reason. I mean, I didn't write it that particular scene, but it's possible that that might have happened. And somewhere in here... Uh, Lexi does a beautiful performance when she says, keep smiling through clenched teeth. Uh, <laughs> and you can hear the teeth clench. Yes, you can hear the teeth clench. You can hear that she's putting on a forced smile. And that whole thing Lexi invented, and I think it's absolutely right and just marvelous. Just marvelous. Yeah, it's and another then, one of those instances, again, of someone being so in touch with their with their character that they can just throw in those little things like that, and it just makes it that much better. Absolutely. It's really wonderful. And then at the end of that scene, we have um, Pete Milan saying, you understand, which is almost like what his mother said. Oh, wouldn't he hate I mean, it not, if he realized that? Not Pete's mother, but his <laughs> well, mother. Well, Tommy's mother. mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get out of the goddamn trash, Asa. I said I was going to bring you dinner. So this is the scene uh, in our interview in um, This Week in Pendant a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, a couple weeks ago as we record this, a couple months ago as uh, it gets released. I mentioned that there was a, a particular scene that I had trouble writing, and this was the Debbie taking drugs scene. And for some reason, I just had real trouble writing it, and I still don't think I did a great job, but I think Lexi really got everything out of it that there was to get. And um, so in this scene, we have Lexi Rawl as Debbie, and we have Carl Glassmeyer as Asa. And to me, taking illegal drugs seems kind of like a private activity. But, you know, a lot of the writers on the team have a resistance to having a character talking to him or herself. Yeah, that can be, it can take you out of the episode sometimes, you know, it's it's really rare that you can get away with it and it doesn't seem like why, you know, it doesn't make you pause in the middle of the episode as a listener and think, why is this person talking to themselves on and on like this, you know, when people really don't do that that often. So, yeah, it's, it's something we try to avoid if we can. Right. But it seemed like it, it, she wasn't going to share it with anybody. I mean, Debbie's really kind of uh, prickly and... Um, closed off person so i, I right. tried to do it with sound effect and and do a little bit in the discussion here with asa mm -hmm. and in this scene it seems to me like asa is kind of probing he's trying to be a little bit of a psychologist but whenever he gets resistance from her he turns to the food or says something about something weird and unimportant so although there's a lot of talk here about the food it's not really the subject of the conversation the subject of the conversation is 
Ace is trying to get out of Debbie, you know, what's bothering her. Right. Fuck things up between us. Probably be the best thing for her. But I... If I lose her again, I don't think I can take it. And we're coming up on um, the line, uh, Smelly Little Buddha. Which yes, that's the perfect way to describe him. Many of many of the writers like that. some compliments on that. Sometimes you say exactly the right thing, like a smelly little. There we are. And then there's times like. And Lexi put in a little pause there before she said it to set it off quite nicely. So thanks. And coming up, we're going to go back to Tommy's office late at night. And um, we've got Pete Milan and playing Tommy R. Kelligan and M. Sierra Garcia as Major. And the music that we'll hear is going to be the Cat's Argument with the Water Bowl, which I also think is a wonderful, wonderful title by David Alexander MacDonald. And in this last scene... Um, Never too late to make Marley Norton, when she edited my draft of the script, said that this long discussion between Tommy and Major seemed like a long-winded introduction to the actual scene. And uh, I remember when I was discussing Marley's notes with you, Jeffrey, mm-hmm. I said, "Well, guilty as charged." Yes, it's a it's a long-winded introduction. But it was kind of a topic that I wanted to get into a little bit, and. Um, uh, there you are. I just wanted to. to well, I think it. it. I think it works, and I think you know. Uh, sometimes you can do longer scenes like that because I think there's. A, it's setting up a lot of stuff, and I think there's some good character stuff in there. So I. I personally think it's okay. I mean, I see where Marley was coming from with it, but I mean, to me, it, I think the scene you know accomplishes what it's set out to. So. Right. Right. And oh, we missed a. Uh, we missed um, Devi lying very badly with Asa. Um, but so okay, so there was more lying there. Want to do your pal the chemist a favor? And now we just, uh, I just yeah. talked through Major lying badly yeah. again <laughs> when uh, Tommy says Shit, he wasn't buying the behold from our guys. Like, and she says, no, no, no boss. <laughs> That's a lovely, lovely badly lying performance uh, from Mentira Garcia. And Jeffrey, you made a wonderful suggestion here in the writer's chat. Uh, this scene went on for another page or two. After the news the where it ends right now, as I explained, why he said the last, what's currently the last line, right? And you pointed out that I, I think you pointed out that I hadn't planted the hints clearly enough in the preceding scene. So, I thank you for that. That was a really marvelous suggestion. I went back and revised the scene to plant the hints. I think a little more clearly. And so now I don't need to explain that last line. If you've been listening really carefully and piecing it all together, you should have a pretty good idea of what Tommy's planning to do. Yeah, exactly. I thought back in a month. Yeah, you'll get the absolute truth there. But yeah, I thought um, ending it on that line, and uh, for anyone who's been listening and paying attention to things as it goes, I think it's that line pretty much. You know, you know what's going on. So. Yes, it makes the it makes the ending much stronger. 
So now we have Bruce Busby reading the credits. Thank you, Bruce. It sounds wonderful. Yes, so much better than me. Say, <laughs> I just wanted to say that when Bruce says the title, I always laugh because he sounds he sounds so marvelous and he sounds so chipper and it contrasts so dramatically with Danny DeVito eating a pretzel and screaming into a cell phone, which is how I hear that line. Everybody needs money. Right. Well, you get the yin and the yang this way, you know. It all goes yin and the yang. The yin and the yang. That's right. Well, thank you for being with us, Jeffrey. And My pleasure. Kudos, kudos to everybody who contributed to this episode. Kudos to you, sir, for a fine, fine script. Thank you. See you in a month. Bye-bye. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.